Welcome to the Genie Podcast. I'm Grant Bruner, and with me today is Thomas McGinty. How are you, Thomas? Hey, Grant. How are you doing? I am doing very, very well. I'm, I'm, I just continue to love this this uh, sunny weather. I, I'm, I'm tired of, of the cold, and the, the sun is really, really making it a lot better. And I can go out and do genealogy stuff, and that's cool. I want to talk about, you know, things to do with your genealogy research, you know, the problems that you can come across and, and all, all of, the, all of the, the cool things that you can go and do in, in real life. So, you know, first of all, start off, as we always do, we go with the very basics. Um, where do you go to find records and, you know, the sources that you need for your genealogy resource? Yeah, well, let's focus on records. And first, what you really have to do is, and you should do this work at home, uh, is start with online databases and repositories. Uh, go to them and see if you can get access to those copies of vital records, the birth records, the marriage records, the death certificates, and other records. This is the easiest and the most economical way for you to access those records, is to do your homework at home first. Now, in most cases, these online sites allow you to not only download and print the image, but sometimes you can even share that image of the record with others via social media and email. So that's one of the benefits of doing your homework first. Also, though, I want people to realize that not everything can be found online. Uh, this is sort of a mantra of mine lately. We get too many people that said, you know, I went to Ancestry and I'm done because they couldn't, the, the leak didn't shake anymore for me, and, and that's it. That's my genealogy. Not true. First determine the repository or the archive holding that record. So how are you going to do that? What I recommend is a book called The Source, A Guidebook to American Genealogy. It's in its third edition. It's sort of like a Bible of uh, records and repositories. It's edited by Lou Zooks and the late Sandra Loopking. Uh, it's a resource that really helps you understand where certain types of records are kept and how to access those records. Uh, the nice thing is the latest edition of the source, you can buy it online at Amazon because there's some people that like those reference books on their desk. But what's really neat is you can access it online for free at the Ancestry.com wiki, which is at www.ancestry.com wiki. W-I-K-I, forward slash W-I-K-I. Now, obviously, that's good. I mean, like, online is always good, I mean, because that I mean, that's a great way for people to get started. But, you know, how do you go about requesting records from, you know, the government or ar archives or churches or, you know, like the, the, the family archive in Utah, something like that? Right. Well, you know, with, with most genealogy books and records, you can request the copies of records using online resources, you know, contacting the repository by mail or phone, or visit. So we've got three ways of doing it. Online, uh, mail or phone, or visiting the repository in person. Let's first talk about online. Uh, what I want to warn people is I want to give them a word of caution about doing online, ordering records online. There are some websites out there. They will arrange to get you the records but the fee is very, very inflated, sometimes three or four times what you would actually pay if you did it yourself through the mail or through the phone or in person. So uh, in a way, some people love this access. They're, it's worth paying for, but you really 
really should know, and it's your best interest to first look at the source, remember the book I just mentioned, locate the contact information for the repository, and then you may actually see the prices listed in the source itself in terms of what the records are. Then you can determine, is it really worth it for me to use those online resources? Now, that said, there are a few governmental entities, and one that I love is right here in where I live in Chicago, Cook County in Illinois. They're at www.cookcountygenealogy.com. They actually have a stellar, stellar website in terms of ordering the records. They're $15 each for birth certificates, marriage certificates, death certificates. Also, look at archives.com at www.archives.com. They can help you locate and also order certain types of records. So fine, we've dealt with online. Let's talk about email, phone, or in writing. Your best bet, again, is go to the source. The source not only lists those repositories, they have the addresses for you to mail away to. They have the email addresses. They have the phone numbers. Uh, they also tell you what kind of setup they have at that repository. Realize that some of these places charge by the hour. So you need to really know what you're looking for. Why send them on a wild goose chase? So the source is really the place to go if you want email, phone, or right away for those records. Finally, in person, you can visit a courthouse or an archive and make copies. It depends on the policy. Now, this grant, I want to say, is very, very important. Even if you use the source to look up the Repos website or look up their location hours, you must give them a call ahead of time to confirm that information. Uh, these days, a lot of state and local governments have what they call furlough days, where due to budget cuts, they might be closed, they might have reduced services, they might have reduced hours. So you can actually make a trip several hundred miles to this repository and find that it's closed. Uh, very frustrating. Also, make sure you ask about the procedure for getting copies. You know, you could show up there and, you know, they don't have a copy machine or the copy machine is broken. Bring your digital camera, etc. Make sure you're prepared. Uh, one little note, too, is there's a growing uh, industry in the sub-industry in the genealogy world of uh, providers that will actually uh, – hook you up with people that will go look for records for you. One of them is called Jen Lighten, G-E-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com. Uh, they have contractors located all over the world, and what they do is they uh, will charge you the fee, whatever it costs to get the record, plus they'll charge you a fee on top of that. That is what they make. Uh, and they get paid for. So that's an option. And also, don't be shy about putting uh, a query out on Facebook or social media. I've actually gotten that before, saying, you know, does someone have access to Chicago obituaries? Can you look this up for me? You never know what you're going to encounter. What You know, the problem, the big problem that I find, especially when, when you start when you start hitting the brick walls in your genealogy, it often has to do with a language barrier. How, how do you go about getting the records if there's a language barrier in your in your way? Well, if you need records in another language or from a repository that's outside your native country, you really basically have two choices. You can contact the repository in writing, or you can hire a researcher 
who specializes in that locale and that language. Now, if you want to write your own letters, I found the neat, there's something really neat on Family Search. Uh, and look at the episode notes. I would say for people to go to the genie.com podcast page, uh, it's a rather long URL, but they have actually a series of letter writing guides for French, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and these letters are already written up. All you have to do is basically copy and paste that text into a letter and send it off. So, and that's at familysearch.org, uh, and you would basically look for a letter writing guide or look at the Genie.com podcast notes. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, if you, yeah, if you want to hire a professional researcher, uh, first thing is I recommend, uh, you could go to Association of Professional Genealogists at apggen.org. Uh, the other one is Cindy's List has a very complete list of, uh, language professionals is what she calls them in terms of people that are researchers for foreign languages, they'll translate, etc. And uh, this way, uh, you could hire someone, not only, they're likely to know where the records are a lot faster than you would figure it out, but also they offer translation services, which is neat. You could also send out a request through your social media network or maybe LinkedIn and just put it out there. Say, does anyone know a researcher in Bavaria that could help me get birth certificates? Just make sure that you do your research about that person before you hire, before you sign on the dotted line, get recommendations, ask for references, uh, look at their past work to make sure that they're legit. Yeah, absolutely. And there are a ton of great resources. And I, and I really have to say something that you said really stri- strikes a chord with me. You know, asking around recommendations is a big, big deal. I mean, the, the genealogy community is very open. You can you have pretty much access to anybody in the genealogy community. You can talk to them on their blog. You leave a comment, email them, tweet them, Facebook them, whatever. But you're asking people, and, you know, maybe they can lead you in a really great direction to find records of your family history. So <laughs> I guess really all these questions lead up to this one big question. What do you do with the records once you have them? <laughs> right. Well, once you have them, I mean, a lot of people, they'll throw them in a box or whatever. But, I mean, you've gone through all this trouble. You've paid money. You've gone, you know, sometimes go halfway around the world for these. It's really a shame for them to sit in a box. So here are some ways that you can really use those records. One thing I would do right away is scan the document. Get a digital image and also put the original in your files for safekeeping because you would not want to have to go through the process of getting that document, that record again. Uh, next thing I do is I use the document as evidence in my genealogy research to pr- prove, you know, relationships, other theories that I want to prove about my family history. Uh, also, you should learn the basics of source citations so you can properly cite that particular record. Every record has a different format for citing, for being cited as a source. So that's important. Uh, Now that you've got the digital image, another thing you can do is include it with your genealogy database software or even upload it to a collaborative site like genie.com. It's nice to see the images of the documents along with just the, the family trees. I I really enjoy seeing that, the supplemental information, and you can share it with family and friends on genie.com. Another thing you can do is post it over at your blog or your website. And just don't put it up there like a wordless Wednesday post. What I would do is I would explain the document. Very often I've got family members that are not up on genealogy as I am, and they don't know what a death certificate really 
conveys in terms of the data. So you want to explain it, explain how it relates to your family history. Uh, I find the visitors to my blog always love hearing the backstory uh, about a certain person or a certain situation. Now, one thing that I do want to throw out there, another warning, is before you share the record or the image of the record, you have to consider two things. Is the record in the public domain? Most governmental records are automatically, because they're generated by the government, considered to be in the public domain. But something like an obituary, which is a narrative, may still have a copyright. So there's a neat site that I just found this week actually called Is It Protected by Copyright? And it's a library copyright.net forward slash digital slider. They actually have a little slide where you basically say, okay, this is a year. It's between these years. It, it does have a copyright statement. It doesn't have a copyright statement. They'll help you determine whether uh, something is copyright protected or not. So you've got that issue. The other one is also, would, would you be violating someone's privacy if you were to post that image? You have a birth certificate if someone is still alive, but, you know, usually when you put that out, uh, I would not put up a birth certificate of a living person because it could be used for identity theft purposes. So that's another consideration. If you can redact it, meaning can you, you know, block things out, that might be it too. But also, it might be common courtesy to just ask the person if they're still alive and uh, before you even put up a partial record with information blocked out. Right. And and of course, if you're sharing things with, with on Genie.com, the only people that will ever be, be able to see private profiles, so that means people within four, four generations up from you, um, anybody within your family group and who's still alive, there's nobody's going to be public. Um, the only people that are public who are there are historical profiles and um, as well as uh, prominent profiles, people like Barack Obama, all you know, the old people, the presidents that are alive. Those are people who are public. So if you're working on something and you have a birth certificate for your mom, she's still alive, and you share it on Genie, the only people that are going to be able to see that are people that are actually within your family group. So I, I think that's I think that's a good place to stop for today. So why don't we t- we'll learn more about uh, you, uh, Thomas? Where where can people go find you on the net? Well, I've got some fun stuff coming up uh, actually this Saturday, April 30th. Uh, I've been working with the Federation of Genealogical Societies. I sit on their board of directors, and we are doing our first webinar. This is a free webinar, and we have room for a 1,000 people. It's called Social Networking for Genealogy Societies, and it's at 3 o'clock Central, Saturday, April 30th. Uh, this is really – I really want people to watch this webinar to see what other societies are doing in terms of social media and how they're having these successes with social media and making it work for them. This is great if you really want to shake things up at your own genealogy society. You should pass this information on to society leaders. So it's going to be a fun webinar. Also, uh, we've got a great uh, Genie Blockers radio show uh, this week uh, with the Royal Wedding. We are going to do a British genealogy uh, feature, uh, and we're actually having Audrey Collins, who's with the National Archives UK, call in. Poor Audrey, I'm waking her up at 3 in the morning, but I want her to call in and explain uh, how to do research if you have a British ancestors, where do you start, uh, what are the issues involved, what makes it unique from other types of genealogy. So that's that uh, Genie Blockers Radio is at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Genie Blockers. So thank you very much for your time, Thomas. So for the Genie Podcast, I'm Grant Bruner. Thanks for listening and have a good one.